Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Joel Goldberg, who'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Joel, what's up? Just, uh, I'm hanging in my house. How about you, Matt? <laughs> well, I'm hanging in my house too. I'd, I'd much rather be sitting across from you right now, thinking about how much our faces are made for radio. Well, now here we are. Exactly. Wait, where we aren't you, wait, wait, aren't you, a, aren't you a TV guy? <laughs> I know. It's true though. I think your assessment and your analysis <laughs> and every bit of it is um, is is not just accurate; it's obvious. But but they keep they 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 had kept on putting me on TV and this ugly mug. That no longer is happening. Although, I'll, yeah, I'll that's what I want to talk about spot. today. Like, yeah, you, you know, I took off for a trip to the Philippines and and I left, and you let the whole world of sports fall apart, Joel. Why? Yeah, I know. This is a this is a different world. Than when you left, as as you know, I'll tell you yeah, what, there, man. There, there, there is no, there is no world of that. sports. Wow, yeah, there is no world of sports anymore. Not for for now. It'll I, come back. I think it's possible that they may actually put this episode of Startup Hustle on one of the ESPNs just to just to fill air. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's possible, right? It's possible we might make make it on the Ocho or something. But well, anyway, I, first off, thanks for for joining. Uh, you know, there's the world of sports is an absolute freaking chaos right now, and that's obviously affecting you. It's affecting basketball, really anything. And I I just thought that that would be interesting to talk about because I I think that. A lot of people look at a sports league as maybe being out of commission and they're like, oh, well, those rich athletes, they'll be all right for a little bit. But it's not them that we necessarily need to be concerned about. It's all the ancillary economic impact that the lack of sports and events in general uh, are throwing at the economy. I mean, what, what, what do you got for me on that topic? Well, I think it's all of the above. And, you know, I would also say that, you know, it people aren't going to feel sorry for, you know, the multi-million dollar athletes. And for the most part, most of them are good, but you also, if, when you start looking at minor league players who make minimal money a year and suddenly they're and haven't been little, paid since last fall either. Right. Right. And, and I know this yeah. isn't really going to resonate with everyone, but look, no matter where we are in terms of salary, in terms of what we make uh, a, a lot of people, spend based on what they make and and the really good ones know how to save for for that rainy day so to speak but but even your top athletes are probably living not all of them uh, a life that's a little faster than they should and then that's part of being young and and coming from backgrounds sometimes where they had no money so i actually do worry about some of those guys too um because i think we should worry about everybody i mean it's it, it's easy right now to say well you should have saved your money well we all should have been prepared for a pandemic a little bit better and and most of us yeah should have cut a weather right yeah i mean you can't yeah. you know we, you and i have talked about that you can't look backwards on that type of stuff but i i, I do worry about the the vendors and the people because when you start looking at the the folks that work in the stadiums you know they're they're oftentimes working 
multiple venues. It, it's no different than the restaurant industry and the people in the service industry that that suddenly are out of business. And yeah, uh, and that's that's largely a, it's hard. That's largely known as the gig economy and, you know, those side gigs for, for those people. And that's the, you know, that's the thing I think that's going to be really hard to wrap our arms around economically is, you know, somewhere there's a, there's a single mother who is counting on working on 81 nights at the K and at Royal stadium. And is she, you know, could be an usher. It could be a suite attendant. It could be someone else. And you start taking that money out of the economy and it really has a ripple effect on a lot of people because, you know, it's one thing, like you mentioned, we're recording this virtual and, and thanks for being one of the first guests to do that. Cause you know, we've always been very insistent on an in-studio appearance right. and you know, that, that change, um, even there, like I was sitting here swearing at recording equipment before we actually turned it on, but you know, the, the thing is, is if we got to lock everyone else up, if we got to lock ourselves up in our homes and we do nothing but provide fear and anxiety and financial unrest at the time, that makes the quarantine process that much more excruciating. It's, and by the it, way, and by the way, how are you, how are you handling it? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm different than anyone else. And, I, you know, I mean, everybody is is handling this in their own way and in different ways. But I I'm trying to, you know, we always hear people say, Matt, be authentic, be yourself. And I, I think that it is important during these times to to stay true to who you are. Now, let me explain that, because I think that you do have to adapt right now. You can't keep doing things the way you were doing them. But I still think that you need to be true to who you are as a person. Um well, in, in, unless you needed a lot of things to work on, and we all do, but I, I guess my point here is that I, I've always been an upbeat, optimistic person. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I don't think that it serves me well right now to to be having a daily pity party. And so I, I think, and and everybody goes through this in their own way. And so, you know, it there are moments where you might need to just shut it down. There are moments where you just, you know, you, you want to feel feel down and feel sorry for yourself. But I, I just, I don't feel good unless I'm, I'm working. I don't feel good unless I'm, I'm trying something. And so, you know, I, I think that I've said this to a lot of people and I've heard it from a lot of people that, that so many of us strive for perfection in what we do every day. And I don't think perfection right now is the key. I think it's just getting it done. And, it, and if it's getting it done messy, if that means that, that this audio feed isn't quite the same or at quite the same level as, uh, you know, as the startup hustle before that, that's fine. One, you'll continue to make it better. Two, no one's looking for perfection right now. And if you're going to sit and wait for everything to get back to the way it was and perfect, you, you're going to lose a lot of opportunity. Yeah, you might be waiting. You may, you know, the, I, I've often talked about the the right time and the fact that that phrase is really a myth. Um you know, like the right time never really comes, but there are definitely times that can be more favorable than others. And I think that part of get capitalizing on uh, situations like this is, you know, when and where can you do something productive? So now I, I want to switch the topic back to baseball because there's uncertainty as to as to when or on some levels, if the season will make it underway now the impact that that has and i don't want to get too deep into it but like you're not getting paid if they're not having games am i right 
Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I, I have I have no baseball income at the moment. I, I think that that there will be, and from what I understand, I don't know details. There are some projects in the works. You know, things that I could potentially lend services to on TV, whether it be voiceover or some on-camera appearances from the the home office, so to speak. But just to give people an idea, and I want to be really careful about how I say this, because I I really don't want this to come off as woe as me or feel sorry for me. I mean, I even, and I think you might've seen it, I, I put a big thing out on LinkedIn the other day to, to basically just let people know, look, I'm available if there's anything I could do to help you out for your company. And I, I could do voiceover work and I could do on camera work and I could do, you know, social you know, media influencing and all that type of thing. If you're looking for that right now, and at some point I want to do virtual speech presentations, there, there's a lot that I could offer, but I, I, I did say, hey, this is the way it works. A lot of people don't realize it, but but many of us in the broadcast industry that travel with teams get paid by the game. And I didn't want it to feel like I'm complaining and poor, poor me, because I think that most people are in that boat right now. Not everybody, but a lot of people are in that boat. And even the people that have a salary or own a company or whatever's going on, I mean, you know, I just, I think that, that this is all about perspective. And so, uh, you know, I, I have my own company and the TV thing and, and I don't have any employees. I've, I've got a marketing manager that, that I pay per month and I don't, you know, I'm going to struggle to continue to keep doing that for the time being. And we're working on that, but I don't have employees like you do. And so, you know, I know you have to go to bed every single night worrying about not just your family, which is first and foremost, of course, but you've got to worry about people all over the world that are working for you. And that's a lot on your shoulders to try to figure out a way to keep them afloat. And so I, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, um, I don't have baseball. I hope that that's for, you know, not too, too long. I don't know. I, you know, originally they said a couple of weeks that obviously isn't going to happen. I didn't ever think it was. Um, could we be back in May? That's hard for me to imagine too. Maybe we're back in June. I, in my mind, I keep thinking we'll be back in July. Um, now I think they're going to make up a lot of games. I think you'll see some double headers. I think you'll see the schedule and the way things, uh, are, go forward are, are different. And the more they make up, the more I, I make that back to me right now, Matt, for all of us. Um, and, and by the way, this, the coronavirus affects everyone in some way. This is not just, you know, the rich, the poor, the, whatever it is, it's everybody in, in every type of, almost every type of profession. There are a few good professions to be in right now, but, um, you got to just tread water. But they're still and, affected. They're still they're affected. Still, even yeah, if it's right, like, right, I mean, right, even right. if it's a, you know, like, it, it, I mean, it, it's very, it's very circular. And and that was my point earlier with the, with the underlying economic effects, like, you know, and, and I didn't mean to put you on the spot about your income, but the ba- oh, players right. are the same way. I think people don't realize that like in NFL, like every week you play, you get a game check. You know, and, and, and that, I remember when the NBA went on strike several years ago. Um, and one of the things was there was a, there was a belief that the owners may have been pushing it a little further at one point because they knew that those guys weren't getting that weekly check. And once they, that once they weren't getting it, they would really be like, oh shit, this is real. Um, but you know, like, like I said, that, that quote game check, I mean, that trickles down to stadium workers, to everyone, man. And there's, there's a whole economy that underlies, you know, all parts of sports, not just MLB. Like now I was in Cebu at the full scale office. And once again, today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. 
Hey, I only took 11 minutes to get that out, Joel. Um, you could say yeah. it again if that helps. I, I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later because I'll probably forget. If I do it twice in a row, then you know it'd be it'd be mentioning fullscale.io too much. Um, but you know, that, that underlying, you know, that whole gig economy and that's, you know, we, even at full scale, which we have what we believe is a fairly recession proof product because tech companies can't just eliminate their development teams because they won't be able to support a product. But that said, we definitely have had some clients that largely related to travel and events that are, you know, are really waving red flags. They're like, we don't even know what to do right now. Cause we're, I mean, literally talking about turning off the faucet. Now I shared in yesterday's episode that the average business has 27 days of cash. That's it. And we're halfway through that. Um, and then some like restaurants typically have about half that. Uh, these are cash intense businesses. They rely largely on cash flow. What do you think? Do you think that there will be some effect on like the, on ownership, or is that, or is the complete reduction of expenses on the game level, despite the lack of revenue, going to balance that out? I, I I don't know. That's probably above my pay grade. I, I still have just this sense that this, in some way or another, affects everyone i mean you know when you start talking and maybe it's different in in each market and in terms of their revenue and their advertising and uh you know look at the royals and again i don't want to speak for them because i don't really know but uh, you know they they've they've got a new ownership led by john right, Sherman. right. yeah um, who again, just sank a billion dollars into buying the team too you know that's i mean it might be easy to be cash poor after a billion dollar purchase i wouldn't know no, i'd like none to of, know none of us would i'd, I'd, I'd like, to, like know. to know but I'll yeah, keep getting yeah. back. And by to the way, I, I'll make you. I'll make you the first person I call, to, or maybe even FaceTime you in why I signed the billion dollar purchase, just so we can do that together. If you want to make me the fifth, that's fine too. Uh, just include <laughs> me in on. Just give me like a little small cut, like half. I'll just bring you in. Yeah, consulting, you know? consulting. Well, you said you were looking. For, you're being creative with different options. Um, uh, so, all right. So obviously MLB, you know, and trying to now trying to squeeze games in and stuff like that. Um, that's an interesting approach, you know? And, and I mean, I, I feel an 81 game season coming, um, just to be honest, it seems like well, it makes a lot of sense. I don't, I don't know, Matt. And, and here's, here's the thing. And there's a lot of elements to this that are going on right now in, in terms of negotiating between owners and union and, you know, they've got to figure out uh, a lot of issues in terms of getting guys paid in terms of think about this. If you are. Uh, who did I read about this morning that this would apply to Trevor Bauer? Uh, there are a number of, you know, younger superstars that are set to be free agents based on service time at the end of this year. And, and if you're not mm. a baseball fan, let's just put it in mm. these terms. I didn't even think about that. that. that I didn't even think that about that. The, yeah. yeah. So in the most general, because that's based on calendar days, not games, isn't it? Yes, um, yes, during the season, and so yeah, because because that's a reason. Sometimes sometimes they hold a guy back for like the first couple weeks of the season, yeah. and then bring him up, and that's always controversial because I think actually some of those players have sued the league about that, yeah, like saying, the, "Hey, you're holding me back, so you're keeping me out of free agency for another year." I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, in the simplest terms for everybody listening um, in your audience, and, and there are exceptions, and this isn't across the board, 
But essentially, when, when you get a, a Major League Baseball player, they have basically six years of service time. And that amounts to, as Matt was saying, days throughout the season. So so yeah. that six years could happen in six years. It could happen in 10 years. Um, eight, eight, but but if they're up on, you know, if they're up in 2014 after 2000, uh, maybe 19, then then they've got a chance to be freed. And so basically what happens is those first three years as a player, the, the teams can pay you the league minimum, which, again, it's all relative. We're talking about over half a million dollars a year. Uh, but, you know, as guys are making 10, 20 million dollars a year, uh, th- those guys at the league minimum, you don't have to touch them. They get a small raise every single year. If they're really superstars, sometimes you figure out a way to give them more or you negotiate something longer term. After three years, years four, five and six, they're arbitration eligible. And basically what happens there, nobody wants to go to arbitration, but um, they might. And then and then an arbiter basically says, okay, we're either going high or we're going low. There's no in between. We're going to either side with the with the team or we're going to side with the player. Nobody wants to go through that nasty process. So they usually split the difference on their own and they work something out. But if you are a young player that is well worth the league minimum, you're a young star that's come in to the league. Um, and there have been many over the years, the Mike Trouts, the Albert Pujols is uh, more recently um, Ronald Acuna in Atlanta, the, a, a kid that comes up at 21 and is playing like, you know, a polished 28 year old stud. And they say, you know what? We don't want to go to arbitration in year four or five or six because the, a judge may rule that that thing is worth for one year, $25 million. You know what? Let, let's give you a long term deal and some certainty. So if you have a bad year, then you're protected. Yeah. Let, let's give you a four-year deal for $15 million. But what a player is ultimately working for is to get beyond those years of control, the three years of the minimum salaries, the three years of arbitration, where still the, the, the team does have a say in all of this. They want to get past that to free agency. If you are a player that after 2020 was set to do that, and you're going to lose all of your service time because of a season being scrapped or postponed or shortened. Yeah, that's a big control, deal. It's a huge deal. So but I, I guess what I'm saying with all that, Matt, is there's so many things to work out. I think it is going to be in the league's best interest in terms of that. Well, that would be in the union interest. But in terms of revenue, because they have so much to make up and and, and think about TV and advertising dollars and, and, and on and on and on, that if they can find a way to squeeze a, if not full season, a longer than 81 game season into a few months. I read something today that they're seeing if they can figure out a way to play the regular season through October, do all the playoffs November or maybe even in December in warm weather cities or dome stadiums and in, in neutral sites. Because ultimately, if you can get this on TV, I mean, think about this right now. It, if baseball and sports get back on the TV as people are still having to stay home or if this thing comes back again, uh, we're all craving for something to watch on TV or something beyond all the reruns or, or whatever it is. Right yeah, now. True. It, it, true. It would go really well. So I think something that, you know, sometimes you've been down to the full scale suite at the Sprint Center. And, you know, uh, I think sometimes we take things in our life for granted. We went and saw Metallica together, right? Yep, we sure did. How how bad would you love to even have that be an option for later today? I know it's like, I, you know, I was talking about that with the staff. I was like, I was like, yeah, how good would a Kelly Clarkson concert look right now, guys? Because everyone was complaining about going to that. And I was like, come on. And, you know, we kind of got spoiled. I think that um, while the reintroduction of, of the event 
just in general, and you know, I have a history in, in live events, like a long history with it. Mm-hmm. And man, like I called some of my ticket broker buddies and they were like, dude, you are, you should be, you, you, you have never been happier that you're not in tickets anymore, Matt. And I'm like, well, yeah, that was already occurring, but you know, but I mean, there's so much uncertainty because, you know, you're talking about all these events that are postponed and a postponement's different than a cancellation. You know, because the cancellation, the box office gives you your money back. They do a lot of different things with the postponement. They try to move it. And you also talk about, you know, people promote events and like all that advertising and marketing and everything that went into filling the venue for a show that was supposed to occur sometime in April, get it out. And, you know, I have a lot of musician friends that, I mean, I know people from three different national touring bands that had to have canceled their whole entire spring tours. and wow. You know, like, I mean, like my buddies in Humphreys McGee were supposed to be here next week. I was planning on seeing them here in Kansas city. I was going to travel with them to St. Louis for two shows. Nope, not anymore. And and now the, once again, the economic impact of that, there's no, there's no hotel stays. There's no dining. There's no people working at those venues either. And it's I mean, it's pretty nuts. So, okay. I, that's an interesting take on what MLB uh, might do. You know, sometimes it, it, I remember it was probably what, seven or eight years ago when they had the tie and they had that play in game. It was Minnesota versus someone else. I think that's where the, the, um, where ML, you know, it was kind of a, a weird situation. They had that kind of like emergency playoff game and it was huge. It was so exciting. And in the following year, I think is when they did the wild card of the play in game. And sometimes these changes in format or like moving things around a little bit, um, you know, that time, that November and December period of sports is kind of lame. So meaning like NBA is just getting started. The NBA is pretty well known for no one actually gives a shit until Christmas or after um, there is football. You do have football, but that's one day a week. And, you know, I think that's going to be interesting. Obviously, the NFL uh, announced that they're planning on doing their draft on the same day. It'll be interesting. I guess they're going to do it virtually. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't. I, I never understood the draw of wanting to go watch the NFL draft live, by the way. I haven't either, but, but people love it. Yeah. You know? Hey, it is what it is, I guess. The, but, the, you know. I will, I'll, say, um, I'll say that the NFL and their television partners, I think, to me, led by ESPN because they have the availability to do the programming. They have made the NFL a 12-month-a-year sport. You know, I oh, yeah. care yeah. less yeah. about watching live video of a dude running the 40 uh, at the combine. Yeah. yeah. But How does that get primed? <laughs> well, much like this episode of Startup Hustle, hopefully being on ESPN 8, they have air to fill. The but, Ocho. Yeah. The Ocho is, uh, yeah, I would kill for a dodgeball tournament right now or something. It, it was funny. I, noticed... the, um, I was just say, have you seen some of the stuff they're putting out there? I mean, there's like, you know, arm wrestling and I mean, all kinds of yeah. stuff. I'm like, I, I do think there have been some pretty good. I'm not going to do it because I don't like copying people. But I've seen some some announcers um, that I know or even around the world that have started just calling play by play of random things. So I saw the Detroit Tigers play by play guy was. I don't, I don't know if I can't remember now if it was like his kids or what he was, I think he was calling darts in the basement. And I, I saw it at like a soccer announcer on, on Twitter or somewhere um, that went out into the streets or it was a rugby announcer in I think England or something. And he was, he was just doing play by play in the park as people were walking their dog or walking their kids. We, and, we had, we had, um, jo- we had joked about you coming to do play by play at the office one day. 
and just having you, a, um, sitting you, sitting there and talking. He's he's sitting at his desk. It, it, wait, it, do you have he's a, opening um, his email. It looks like he's made a sale, people. He has made a sale. Do you have a uh, do you have a live feed of the office in Cebu? Are they even still going into work right now? No, we sh- we had to shut the office there too, man. We did that. Um, the you know I was supposed to come back on March 14th, and I extended my trip to the 19th, which was the last day I could get out. Now today they announced that they're doing a citywide lockdown, similar to what we have going on in Kansas City. For those of you listening outside of Kansas City, we're in our homes because we have to be. It's not that some people don't want to be, but we have to be. And they only just for, announced um, that they're going to. Only for essential. I'm sorry. I got to, I got to stop. Um, I got to, I got to stop interrupting. We're getting used to this whole world of not being able to see each other. And, and it's harder, you know, isn't it? it? You know, it's really been interesting too. I'm going off on a tangent here. It's been interesting to watch all the networks. I mean, again, this gets back to the, the whole discussion about not being perfect and, and messy action. But you look at, you know, Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show or Anderson Cooper on CNN or any of these people. And and if they've been at all exposed or close to it or just to be safe, they're broadcasting out of their homes. I I have yeah. in my neighborhood, we have a ton of um, media people that just ended up in this neighborhood and, and your dad. And um, weird dad fact. Is, yeah. Jo- Joel yeah. is my dad's neighbor, unbeknownst to either of them until Joel and I became friends. Right. And yeah. I think um, a little bit closer to your dad, I mean, we're probably about 10 houses away, but uh, 10, 12 houses away, a little closer to your dad is Ellen McNamara, who's the main anchor at the CBS affiliate here in town. And her husband was telling me the other day that that they were basically building or at least putting together uh, a studio, so to speak, a, a home studio or a makeshift studio for her to go live out of the house. So, um, I mean, the beauty of technology nowadays is, is we could do this. And, you know, I'm doing, yeah, it does require adjustments though. Like I have like right now, Jill's in the, Jill's in the basement with the kids, you know, and I've had to retrain them to, to know that 10 30 AM means it's a good time to go play in the basement. By the way, we've, we've determined that that is now known as family distancing. Family distancing. I like it. Um, It's a real thing. Yeah. My family distancing is different. And some of your listeners listeners will understand this. I mean, it's eleven ten here right now in Kansas City as we are speaking on this podcast. And I don't need to worry about my kids interrupting anything because they're seventeen and fourteen. They're both still sleeping. They're <laughs> well, I was sleeping until four minutes before this. This actually yeah. I was a couple minutes late. So yeah, right. in in regards to sports chaos, which sports do you think are okay? So there's winners and losers in in economic turbulence. So right now, like in in my world with tech and startups, the the startups in tech that have online collaboration tools have tele anything like telemedicine, tele tele school all that stuff are experiencing unusually high uh, signups or usership where in the world of travel events, um, some stuff like that, anything that relies on, on the non-social distancing um, is struggling. Uh, So you can, you can start to see like who's benefiting and who isn't. It's usually a, a bit of a give and take. And then obviously there's the section in the middle 
I'm not talking about individual people. Um, obviously, they're affected. We're going to have an increase in unemployment. But which which leagues? Are, I mean, across all of them, are the, do you think are the most vulnerable? Are going to be the most like terribly affected by what's going on? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's across the board. I, I, let, let, let me put it this way. Any of the big boys, so to speak. So when you start talking about here in the States, when you start talking about NFL, NBA, NHL, uh, MLB, and MLS, I, I think that they will all be fine. I, I wonder about, I certainly wonder about, you know, minor leagues and some of that. I wonder about, uh, you know, like, and I don't know, but the XFL is new and, and God, they you know, can't they catch a break. No. And I think that they had some traction. I mean, I wasn't really watching. I'm, I'm not particularly interested, but it seemed like they had some good things going. It seemed like there was a lot of building momentum. Again, a reminder that I think people do have a taste for football 12 months a year. And, and now suddenly they've got to go back to square one. I think that every sport will have their challenges. I mentioned baseball before, and I think that, that there are logistics from contracts and players and not to mention advertising dollars and all of it that, that, uh, you know, that, that people are going to have to figure out. Uh, but I, I do think this, I'm not really answering your question. I'm, I'm kind of pivoting on it a little bit, but I, I just think that sports has always been, and I think you can say the same thing about music, arts, theater, um, ha- has always been at its core a, a diversion for all of us in some form or another. And yeah. it, has, it has been what we rely on during the tough times. And I believe that when that comes back, people will appreciate it and love it even more. If they were taking it for granted, we all take things for granted, um, they will take it less for granted. Opening day in baseball is always, uh, in the United States, for many people, it feels like a national holiday. If you were to yeah, actually no close, if you were to close you know, schools and make it a national holiday and all that, I don't think there'd be a lot of arguments from, from many, many people. And, and so people enjoy that one day, and then it kind of dies off the second day and you get into a rhythm. I can only imagine when baseball comes back, if it does this year, what that first day and second day and third day will feel like. I think there's like anything else, Matt, you know this, in business, that that through these tough times, there will be opportunity. Yeah. And, and once again, you know, it's like, and it's not just a personal opinion. I mean, it's a proven fact that there, there are winners and losers and sometimes more on one side of that line and in just about anything. I mean, there was... You know, there's people and and organizations. Well, you look at the NFL, like to the best of my understanding, the majority of the NFL's revenue does not come from the actual stadium and the game itself, like right Right. there. Like, I mean, it's largely TV revenue. You have licensing, you have a whole ton of stuff like that. Now that said, do they want to lose the gate revenue? No, I mean, certainly not. But at the same time, you know, that's a league that's positioned to do well on TV. I think the NBA is definitely going to get the short end of the stick here a little bit. I think they'll come back and play. I don't know if they'll play the rest of their season, but you know, for the NBA, that that's one of those things where they don't really usually pack stadiums and or arenas and you know until the end of the season when the games start to feel like they matter a lot more. Um, you know, the, obviously the playoffs are a big thing both for TV. I know a lot of people will watch the games during the regular season, but you get national coverage on on playoffs. I think that that's a time that is also big for the brand. You know, and you I, I hadn't even thought about your point earlier about pending free agency, like uh, like Giannis. I can't say his last 
last name uh, that plays for Milwaukee. I think he's a free agent after this year. And if they don't finish out this season, like was the, and in Milwaukee kind of Kansas city's like third cousin, when it comes to, you know, shitty markets to, to be a winner in on a lot of years. I mean, that like, this is Milwaukee's time to shine as a city and, and seeing how much pride and ownership and the city and the teams the that Kansas City has had when the Royals won the World Series and when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, like it, I think it would suck to potentially miss out on that. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of like make believe. Now, on a side note, I did finally get the perfect bracket that I've been seeking for years. So, um, so how, how'd it go? Uh, KU all the way, won by 40, except for when they played Mizzou and then they won by 100. It was crazy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Seriously. That'd be that'd be good yeah. to to get Mizzou and KU back. How many people would watch that? We've been looking for that for a lot of years. I saw yeah, something that, on well, ESPN. That's, that's, that's actually going to happen later this year, assuming we get some shit figured out. But yeah, uh, on ESPN they did a simulation and they had Wisconsin winning the whole thing. I'm like, finally, my school wins the championship for the first time since 1941, and it didn't happen. So I think oh that well. just proves but, that tech that technology doesn't know shit. Well, I can't stand the prediction services, though. Um, in terms yeah. of technology from that standpoint, I think it's a predictor in terms of trends. But people get so yeah. like if people say to me all you know all the time, how, how many wins do you think the Royals will have this year? How many? And I just I think you you are trying to predict things, and I understand that the the computers and the algorithms and all that can do a, a really good job uh, if set up the right way. But how do you predict for like for instance? Uh, now, if the season had been starting on Thursday, as had been expected, and those simulation services came out with their predictions, and then the Mets yesterday, their star pitcher, Noah Syndergaard, they announced that he needs Tommy John. And last week, the Red Sox announced that Chris Sale needs Tommy John. Do you have to redo the predictions then? Do you have to redo them throughout the course, um, you know, day by day as injuries happen and, and, and this and that and, you know, unforeseen situations? So I... I think that those things are all fun because they give everyone a chance to say, yes, I agree. No, I don't. This is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the reality of it is uh, they don't know. And right now, that's, I think, the hard thing for all of us is we we don't know. Like, how, how do you predict? See, I think the NBA could do really well. And same for NHL. I understand that the NHL market is totally different. Um, I, it's not just a niche aud- audience, but there are, you, you know, the four big sports in the United States – there are less people that know about hockey. You go up to Canada or certainly certain parts of this country, the Northeast and Minnesota and, you know, Chicago and, and, and now St. Louis, um, that, that their hockey communities are bigger. But if you're a hockey or a basketball fan, and if somehow this comes back, and even if they have to prolong it and, and play in the July, or I don't know what their situations are, imagine coming back and just having a mad dash for the playoffs. Essentially, you're just going to start with the playoffs or, or close to the playoff run. And now well, you that, get that was one of the that percent. was one of the things with baseball, man. Like if it's an eighty-one game season, just say theoretically it's a fifty percent season, like that changes the dynamic because uh, you know there's teams that come out hot. You know, like what what the back in the eighties, the Milwaukee Brewers won like the first what twenty some games that they played, and then they didn't even make the playoffs that year. Now, if you do that in an 80, 81 game season, that's a completely different outlook. You know, and right. and. I think I think that as well the uh, you know just the the approach that you take because you know baseball's a grind man 162 games it's a lot of baseball and 
you know, there's like, and even the NBA, like they had a lot of, um, you know, we talk about social distancing. They had uh, the resting policy, you know, like holding players out and wanting right. to keep them fresh. And then, you know, like, well, if you're not fresh coming back from this, I don't know what you've been doing then. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting, man. Do you, what, what are your, what are your feelings? Do you think that the fans will return right away? Or do you think that there's still going to be a little bit of fear? You do? Yeah. Now if they return to the stadiums, um, and I don't even know. Well, I I think they'll return to viewership. I'm, I'm questioning how I think, I think some of that is tough to answer right now because I think this next couple of weeks in America and seeing, you know, like, let's be realistic. We did kind of turn a blind eye to this and I, I, I'm able to experience that firsthand because, you know, I, I arrived in the Philippines on March 3rd and I traveled through South Korea to get there. I I'm actually on my second round of quarantining myself, um, traveled through South Korea, got to the Philippines and there was a whole, I experienced a whole different level of how they were handling this as a pair compared to when I came back. And also it freaked me out a little bit because for the final 10 days that I was in Cebu, everywhere I went, they have someone at the door, like zapping your forehead with a thermal laser. Cause if you're above a certain temperature, they won't let you in. And, I, uh, I just, and, I, and, you know, that, I, I haven't, I haven't seen that here, but it's, but it's preventative though. It's, it's, it doesn't take any longer to do that. It takes like five seconds longer to do that. Hear, hearing that breaks my heart because we're not a, now, you know, South Korea, um, some of these other places that they, they are, well, they've been, they've been through this before. They've, they've been, been through, through they've been through this because the, you know a lot of this this same the same lap of COVID-19 is just is similar to SARS the the swine flu the bird flu and then honestly man like one of the things that was like totally real was like talking to our employees and I was like are you guys scared this well sure we're nervous and I said and they and I was like I could tell a lot of them had something else to say and a couple of them were like well you know in America you don't see a lot of stuff the way we might just meaning like, you know, I, I, and this is not, this is not the impression I want to give of in Cebu, but it wouldn't surprise me if I was driving down a street and saw a four-year-old covered in mud standing next to a pile of burning trash, you know, like now here that would make the evening news. Um, so, you know, there's a level of exposure to some, some of the unpleasantries the world provides that, uh, I think we might not have been ready to handle, but I think you're going to see all of that. Um, if, when, if, at least in the early stages, like if MLB and these other things open the gates back up in June, or I mean, even earlier than that, I think you're going to see a level of precaution. Like you remember there used, there didn't used to be metal detectors outside the gate of MLB. And now that's a big thing. And it's, you know, like it doesn't take any longer to, to, it's funny. That's a, do you know what I'm talking about? The little laser zappers that if you've ever had a heating and air guy come by, they use them to, to shoot the vents to see if they're hot or cold, to see if the air is blowing where they can't reach. And I mean, it takes a second. It's just like, you know, and, and they let you in and then other places too, um, that, so they basically have, you know, a couple of people at the front door and they have these huge like spray bottles of like alcohol. They'll spray, they want you to spray them on both your hands. And, you know, like, it's just a different level of, pro- of approach. And I'm curious to see how America will 
uh, adapt to that. I remember shortly after 9-11, and I used to travel a lot for work then, um, being in an airport and watching a lady, just like a, like a, probably like a 70 year old lady go through security. And she was just not used to that. And she made kind of a fuss and they basically picked her up and rushed her out of there. I mean, it was someone's grandma, man. She wasn't, she wasn't going to take anything down, but you know, just that, that level of adoption for things being different. Like my dad was the same way. He's like, I don't want to take off my shoes. You know, so I mean, are you expecting levels of prevention like that? I here's what I think. Go back to pre nine eleven, and remember how much the world changed from that. And right. we may not like taking the shoes off and going through the you know metal detectors and and everything, but for the most part, uh, minus some of the hassles with that and and some of the you know the confusion at times and some airports better than others blah 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 that's just a way of life you you would never sit there and say why do i have to take my shoes off so annoying or not that that became a way of life so i think that things will change in some ways and i think we have to i mean it i was saying before that it it breaks my heart to see all that available in another country and and that we're still trying to figure it out with that said um and, and the other thing that breaks my heart is that this has become such a politicized thing and yeah, man. Yeah, um, as, I mean, as, all like, in it together, as, man. Like I, like I saw something that says that I saw a poll come out. I think today that said something like, you know, um, you, you know, Democrats are more likely to believe the media and their governors and the CDC, and Republicans are more likely to believe the president and the CDC and not the media at all. And it's like, man, can't we all get on the same page here and at least, at least believe in some science? And I know that can for be like a fucking month. People, just, give, just give us a month, people. Get, get back to science. being assholes to each other later. Yeah, Man. yeah. I just like, Man, and that doesn't mean you mean science. Science actually proves things to be right or wrong sometimes, or fixes problems. I was a shitty, I was a shitty science student, so I'm certainly not an expert on any of this. But you I know what? Either. When you're sick, but Matt, when you're sick, what do you do? You go to your doctor. If all of the doctors right now are saying the same thing, and there are different levels. I mean, I've got friends that are doctors that say this might be an overreaction, but no one, like I, I talked to one of my close friends who's an ER doctor down in Florida, and I'd be interested to ask him, you know, a month later where where things stand. But he said this might be an overreaction, but it, but it's a worthwhile overreaction because yeah, if they and, don't and that's, stop that's, this, yeah. you know, if they don't stop this, then it becomes really bad. And I'm not going to preach to everybody. I mean, either you get it or you don't. And hopefully there's time for more people to get it. But we're, 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 we're playing with something here that we've never seen in our lifetime. And um, you know what? The flu is something we deal with every day. We have vaccines. We get shots for it. We know how to treat that. It's not as contained. All this type of stuff. We're, we're trying to figure this thing out. And so I, I, look, there's a lot of sacrifice going on here. I'd like to be working right now and I'd like to be making money just like everybody else. But I do believe in science. I think that's just the simplest way to, if the scientists, the experts and the doctors say what they're saying, I believe that. Yeah. I think the challenging part, you know, when I was dur during the, I decided to, you, you mentioned the world was different when I came back from my trip, 
um, and I watched it like my world's changed dramatically. Um, I mean, overall, I've grown so much as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a parent, and just as a person from what I went through. Cause you know, I, I, and I say that like, well, being right there in the office, I have 190 employees that come to work at that office. And, you know, like, I mean, they, they were so fucking amazing. Like I cried because they were so amazing. Like I was so proud of them because, you know, as the, the 12th through the 15th was particularly sticky for the world. Like I, I literally went to bed one night and consider I was 13 hours ahead. So I went to bed and the NCAA was still a, a tournament was still a thing. And the NBA was too. And I woke up the next day and both were canceled. You know, and then you see this wave of stuff coming and, you know, we're trying to make decisions in real time. I think in baseball, they often say you look for the fastball and you adjust to the curve, Um, you know, and, and, and with that, I mean, that was like literally now seven of them are coming at you. Um, I mean, I had to do things and prepare for stuff and deal with a level of chaos and also trying to prevent chaos because, inciting fear and panic in people is, is a dangerous thing. And that's the thing that I think live events are going to have to figure out is, you know, like, cause I'm telling you, man, you, you as well, you know, as well as I do, you put 20,000 people all in one place. And if they start freaking out, yeah, you're not going to stop them. And, you know, that's the whole thing is like, you know, someone sitting on the third baseline and coughs and sneezes on a whole section. And next thing, you know, you know, you got a whole bunch of chaos. So I think, I think either that or we're going to just become numb to all of this. Um, and, and when I was in Cebu, I did record a six part series that I called the, the Corona Diaries. And I was really trying to share my experience. And I think that the thing that I've, I've realized not only from that point and going forward is there's a lot of people that are scared, that have anxiety. You know, I, I, Tom Petty said it the best. The waiting is the hardest part. I think that's the part that's killing a lot of people as I've talked to them, you know, feeling cooped up and you're like, I just want to get back to normal. So stay the so, fuck home people. Yeah, <laughs> It'll make I know. it go faster. And I think they're just, look, everybody has different challenges with this. And I don't even mean just financially, but you know, like you mentioned that your kids are in the basement right now. I, I yeah, it's easier having teenagers because right now we're not back to online school yet. Uh, they extended spring break. Uh, yeah, at this point, I don't give a shit. Let them sleep. Um, I've heard them kind of walking around the house at one or two in the morning. You know what? Just um, I, I want them to do right now what doesn't stress them out. And I never thought that after you know a year plus of telling my son, you know, enough Fortnite already, and then and then he had given it up, and now he and all of his friends are staying connected, doing that every single day, and you know things like that. And so, but we all have different challenges. I mean, I got teenagers that at some point are going to say, you know, I want to go hang out with my friends. I, I want to go get in the car and go do this. And so. We're all dealing with different challenges, but I, I, I think about just adjustment and pivoting, and, and I mentioned opportunities before, too, and as you're going stir-crazy, little things like, you know, we have started almost a daily, um, you know, happy hours in our neighborhood in someone's driveway where we're all sitting, you know, six, ten feet apart, but just a chance to, and a lot of people have lost jobs or lost income, so um, just a chance to kind of get together and, and, and feel like we're in it together, and, you know, I'm doing a lot of of zoom uh, chats and, and even happy hours and networking groups and coffees online. And uh, I, I do think that there will be elements of that going forward. Uh, this morning I went over to Best Buy essential purchase needed for my business, but I needed a, a little portable led light for a couple of the on-camera webcam shows that I'm doing. 
And so I'd ordered it on Best Buy because I didn't want to wait for forever for you know Amazon right now, and because um, I don't think it's an honest. It, 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 it is. Was Best my Buy business, open? But, well, what Best Buy is doing right now, and I think you're going to see this very similar to restaurants. You order at Best Buy, they prep your order, and they Just tell you when it it's ready. You there there are parking spots that you pull into. You click on your email confirmation, and all you do is plug in the make and model of your car. And within two minutes, they've got somebody in, you know, in gloves walking out and they, they rolled on your window and they hand it to you. Nice. Pretty cool. Nice. I mean, it was, it, it was a, it, and I know, you know, him too. Blake Miller had made a Facebook post last night. He's like, is it just me or does it smell really fresh and clean outside right now? And I like, I commented, I was like, give me one minute gathering data. And I came back and I went outside and I was like, you know what? He's right. And I don't know if it's just like, talk about noticing weird little things. You talk about winners and losers. This is going to change the entire face of retail. Um, and retail was already in the shitter. So it's going to be very, very interesting how retail goes. And, you know, you mentioned like a lot of people are getting laid off. Amazon has a hundred to 150,000 new job openings and Walmart's predicted to have about a hundred thousand now, you know, and that's to kind of change and pivot the way that they do things. Um, you know, some of the things that were, were, you know, interesting as well is like China's opening back up. I, I was told from a sports standpoint that they have recalled their, their, uh, their basketball league players and different Maybe. stuff. So, well, we'll see. They also went on a pretty hardcore lockdown, uh, way different than what we're at. I mean, the people in Wuhan, they based, they, they locked them in their homes. I mean, like, like don't come out you were allowed to have one person from the household that could leave every other day at a maximum um it, and it was it, but it was effective so maybe a little late but effective so it's just a it's a different world and i i think that so i you know i, I think that when we come back out of it i was i was talking about this with with my neighbor last night and was it my dad you know, he's in the no but two doors down and he is um he's in the recruiting business and you know, all oh, yeah, of their businesses face to face and handshakes. And he said, look, the handshakes are never going to go away. You really think people are going to stop shaking hands? I said, no, but I, I think first off, you know, you talked before about a, a little bit of hesitancy of people getting back to the stadiums. And, and I, you know, I never answered that. I think there will be hesitancy. I think that, and I don't know that we'll see games first on TV without crowds. I don't know what it's going to look like, but, but people will come back, but people will have trepidation. And, you know, I know for myself now, I've always been a handshaker. And um, at, at the minimum, I, I will now sit there and think after I shake a hand, as I was doing before I stopped shaking hands, I was always thinking about, okay, don't touch your face after, you know, shaking someone's hand. Don't touch your face after touching a door. You know, you need some Purell or be able to wash your hands. And so, you know, just it's a bow. little bit. Just bow like the Japanese uh, and the and Chinese. It's, there there's, yeah, might be, or there might be some, there, some methodology behind that. But face to face will will always face to face will always be important. But I think the way that we are able to do business online will will be new, and that'll be that'll be the next generation. I mean, in, in the way that our kids, yours are a little bit younger, but in the way that my kids only know the the world of texting and social media, and and it's very rare that they would ever ever pick up that cell phone and actually call a friend. If they do, it's on FaceTime. It's not a normal phone call. We could have never imagined. That growing up, this next generation will have a, a different element, uh, you know, conference calls and Zoom calls and, and all this. So, you know, in that standpoint, and this should be comforting, we'll get through this and the world will continue to evolve as it always has. 
Well, Joel, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. I know that it was tough to get a spot in your schedule right now. So yeah, very, very tough. I'm, I'm so busy. No, actually, I'm busy all day long. So I'm just trying to fill it up with stuff. And so that I'm not sitting around. But you know, we can do tomorrow, the next day, and the next day too. you let me know. Well, I want to keep up with this because I think that, you know, that that sports and events are are so much they they represent so many things that we identify with both locally and nationally and then personally. And, you know, I mean, you know, I'm super passionate about live music and like it kills me, man. Like I I was just thinking the other night, I was like, how cool would it be to see a, a fun band in a club right now? you know, just like mm-hmm. little goofy stuff. Um, we've been playing a game with the full scale employees. When I call, like I'll call Daryl and I know he's at home. I'll be like, where are you at? And you got to tell me somewhere that's not like I'm at my fucking home again. So yesterday I was in St. Thomas and there was large iguanas on the beach around me. And it felt <laughs> weird. But, but you know, you, but the, the point with that is like, if you have to keep calling people and over, like, I know you're at your home. Cause it, that'd be a common question. It'd be like, Hey, where are you at right now? Well, I'm at home and I'm, I'm at home. I'm at home. You know, I'm at home, but yeah, why not have a little fun with it? I'm, I am, I, I and I want to, you know, close this out by saying, look, you're going to sink or you're going to swim. Um, and if mm-hmm. you're going to sink, go ahead and do it like, you know, sitting around and, and, and going slowly under, you know, slowly sinking is not going to be better for your business or for yourself. Now, you know, like I said, I'm always a swimmer and, and you can swim around, uh, sometimes until you find the right thing. I mean, some of that at full scale, uh, is you talk about, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, people will be doing business differently. That that's why we have a pretty exciting business offering right now, because people in the past that have been like, well, we only want our programmers all in the same room. Okay, how reliable does that feel right now? So there's definitely going to be a whole tranche of people that come out or businesses that come out of this and they're going to say, oh, wow, we could we could work a little differently. We could be at home a little more. We could do some more remote work. We could consider working with people that are all over the planet and a whole lot of different stuff. Um, and, you know, I mean, that that's, you know, the part of it that'll that'll be interesting to find out. And I think that, you know, there is a, an interesting trickle down to that. I mean, that's less carbon footprint. There's a whole lot less fossil fuels being used. And, you know, now then again, I, I mean, I'm like you, Joel, I like the, fa- I like the face to face. I like to sit. That's why we do the startup hustle in the studio up until these, the, you know, until the last couple of weeks when we couldn't. And, you know, cause it's a fun dynamic. And you mentioned like earlier, like oh, I'm trying to figure out how to do this without looking at the other person. I mean, I've recorded a couple hundred uh, episodes of these with, with Watson and even you, this is probably the fourth or fifth time we've, or maybe more where we've done each other's podcasts and you get, you can look at someone and just kind of know, you know, like, Hey, I got something to say, or maybe I don't, or maybe you disagree. And then, you know, just kind of figuring things out a little differently. But I, I, I definitely agree with your point that it's better to have it done messy than not at all. Um, I think that over the past few years, the world has become a lot more tolerant. Like you don't need a TV studio to do Instagram live and, you know, so much of that and, and don't let your perceived lack of anything stop you from doing stuff right now. I think you have a tremendous time to work on your personal brand. You can also like, so some of the things I've been doing, like I've been looking for 30 to 50 that's right. That's kind of a big number. People every day that I don't know, not just friends on Facebook, but other people. And I've begin, I've really like started effectively building a, a network. I've been looking for other CEOs, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. podcast hosts, writers, you know, just people that are doing different things. And how can I get involved? And now 
I'm hoping that it will eventually be out. I'm, I also organized a fundraiser on Facebook that the proceeds from it will be used to purchase food from locally owned restaurants and deliver said food to medical uh, medical uh, providers, hospitals, shelters, places like that. And it's it's interesting. I've been I'm on my second full day of waiting for Facebook to approve it. You put in a fundraiser right now, and they're like, there's like literally a banner. It's like, okay, so you're probably going to have to wait. Uh, we have more people than ever trying to organize fundraisers, and we have fewer people than ever here to approve them. So, but, you know, try to see what, when, and where you can do something that makes a difference. Like I don't directly benefit from buying food through a local restaurant and doing it, giving it to medical people, but maybe I do. Maybe those people that are able to, you know, they have a tough job they're going to have to do. And many of these, they're going to be overloaded. It's coming. So Joel, you got any closing remarks? No, I think you, I think you hit it. Let's do this again. And, and, you know, I'm all about trying to give people hope right now. And, and, you know, this all, this isn't easy. Everybody's struggling. I think if we remember everybody's struggling together, uh, it, it might look different for everyone, but I think that, you know, when you, when you think Matt, we all go through tragedy. We all go through tough times at different times. We all know people on a regular basis that, that lose a loved one and you hear about it, you're empathetic, you feel bad, you offer a little bit of help, and then you go on with your life, and you think about them, and, you know, and maybe you pray for them, or whatever your thing is, uh, but but unless it's, you know, your, your parent, or your loved one, um, you know, you're empathetic, but, but this is one where everyone is going through it in some form or another, so I think just, you know, let's keep innovating, let's, let's, let's keep being proactive, let's keep trying to help people out, and, Everybody keeps talking about life on the other side. We, we will get through it. It, it. Life might not be the same on the other side, but we will get through this. And I, I keep thinking about that I, every day. I think, in many way, I think in many ways it'll be better. Thanks again for joining me, Joel. See you all next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.